Well, good morning, Abundant Life. How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you here. Good to see you here. Would you help me welcome our Sandy campus and our Vancouver campus and also those who are joining us online? Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's so good to see you here. Today we are continuing this series that we started about five weeks ago called Masterpiece. And as I've been doing each week, I want to get you to repeat after me this phrase. Today is a gift given to me by my creator. And what I do with it is my gift back to him. Therefore, I will make every day a masterpiece. Thank you so much. I, I just uh, hope that you will do that. I want to just ingrain this in you that every day is a gift that God has given to us. And what we do with it is in, in a real way, it's a gift that we hand back to him. And we want to make it the best day that we can possibly make it and to make it a masterpiece. Now, the problem sometimes, as we've talked about in this series, we tend to over-exaggerate yesterday. And we look back to the past and we say, I just wish we could go back to the good old days. But we've all discovered and we all know that the good old days aren't nearly as good as we think they were. And then we tend to over-exaggerate them. And then sometimes we, we overestimate the future and we think, when this happens, then life will be good. And we dream about the future, and we overestimate what the future holds for us. And as a result, we underestimate today. Yet today is the day that God has given to you and me. This is the day we have, right? And so one of the great verses in the Bible, Psalm 118, let's everybody read this at all of our campuses. Let's read this together. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I encourage you every day when you wake up, Get on your knees and say, God, thank you for today. This is the day you have made, and I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. How many of you want to do that this next week? Let me just throw a challenge out there. Every day this week, just seven days, just get up, roll to your knees, those of you who are physically able to do that, and, uh, and just say, Lord, thank you for today. I recognize that this is a day you have made. It's a gift you've given to me, and so I'm going to honor you by making it the best I possibly can so I can hand it back to you as a masterpiece. Now, in order for that to happen, there are things that we have to do. We've talked about in this series how you and I have to decide what are our values, what really, really matters to us. Stop and think about it for just a second. What really matters to me? Ask yourself that question. What really, really matters to me? Your values determine who you are. They determine who you are. Once you decide what your values are, then you've got to begin to prioritize your day so that you have the focus in order to fulfill those values. And so your values determine who you are. Your priorities determine what you do. But if you don't figure out what's important and begin to organize your life around those things, then you find out that you are coming to the end of a year and saying, why has nothing changed in my life? And people want things to change in their life, but nothing seems to change. Well, figure out what's important and then organize your life around those things, your priorities. I gave you three words as we started out, back, way back in the first message of this series, and I want to give those to you again, and, and I encourage you to write these down somewhere in your life notes. The word decision 
is the first word, decision. You've got to make a decision about what's important to you. Decide what your values are. Sit down with your spouse if you're married and decide what really is important to us. I gave you that circle that, that showed you some things that, that I kind of wrestle with, and it's kind of how I live my life. Decide. You make, you make somewhere around 30,000 choices a day. The gift of choosing, I think, is probably one of the greatest gifts that God has given to you and to me. I think it's one of the most spiritual activities that you ever engage in, the activity of choosing. The second word is action. Once you make a decision that this is important to me, now you've got to move into action. Why? Because most of us are educated way beyond their level of obedience, okay? You know a whole lot more than what you do, okay? That's why I oftentimes will say to people, you don't need another Bible study. Just start doing what you already know, okay? Just start doing. I'm not opposed to Bible studies, okay? Don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, but most of us need to act upon what we already know to be true if we want to see change. And so decision and action. The third word, once you've made the decision and once you've decided to kick it into gear and take some action, you need to exercise what? <laughs> Discipline. You need to exercise discipline, okay? That's, that's why we're reviewing boys and girls because... because <laughs> When we review, we can learn things. And so, and so discipline. Now, what's discipline? Okay, I know discipline can be a positive word. It can be a negative word. I think it's a very positive word because discipline, and I think in the simplest form, discipline is me giving myself a command and then obeying it consistently. That's discipline. And sometimes discipline is hard. But you need to do this on a daily basis so that you can end up in a different place a month from now or a year from now or five years from now or ten years from now. So write those three words down. Now, today, we're talking about something that I think is so important when it comes to making every day a masterpiece, and that is your relationships. If you're going to make every day a masterpiece, somewhere along the line, the issue of relationships is going to come into play. Because God is a relational God. God is not some impersonal force out there that doesn't relate to us. God is a relational God, demonstrated that in, in the presence of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible is a relational book. He created you and me to be relational beings. And in order for you and me to make every day a masterpiece, we've got to get this thing of relationships figured out. Uh, how many of you would agree with me that when relationships are good, that life is great? Raise your hand. Yeah, when relationships are good, life is great. Things are just going along so well. Life is great. How many of you would agree with me that when relationships are bad, life stinks? Yeah, it does. It's, it's the pits, okay? And so we've got to get the whole thing of relationships figured out. I think you can summarize life's purpose in two sentences that Jesus gave to us. And you'll recognize these from Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Let's, let's read this together. This is a relational verse. Again, in our campuses, let's read this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. 
And so in order for you and me to really understand relationships, we've got to recognize that God created us relational beings. And obviously the first and foremost relationship is with God and then with people around us. And by the way, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, spend a lot of time in the book of Psalms. If you want to grow in your relationship with people, then spend a lot of time in the book of Proverbs. The reality is relationships can be difficult. How many of you discovered that, that relationships can be complicated? Yeah, they, they can be. You, you know why? Because people are complicated. People, turn to somebody. Find somebody you don't even know and tell them you're a complicated person. You're, you're a complicated person. And, and, and you'll be speaking the truth because we are. We're, you guys are having way too much fun with that. Okay. We, we are complicated people. And, and so the reality is everybody is normal until you get to know them. And, I, I mean, people who know me really well, you know I'm re- relatively complicated. In some ways I'm very simple, but I'm also complicated. And, and, and so people who know me that I, well, I mean, you could look at me and think, you know, boy, I think he's just kind of a normal person. He's just a good guy, got everything all figured out. Well, if you got to really know me, you would understand different, okay? You'd, you'd conclude otherwise. See? So everybody's normal until you get to know them. And then you figure out he's as messed up as I am. And so... <laughs> Today, I want to give you three relationship principles as we kick this thing off. Here's the first one. Life was meant to be experienced with others. Life was meant to be experienced with other people. Uh, Now, this whole thing about relationships, i got to be honest. Today, um, earlier uh, today, I I was just a little emotional because um, I knew I'd be talking about relationships. And and our relationship um, in in a few months is going to change. It's not going to end, but it's going to change a little bit. And so I'm just a little bit emotional when even I talk about relationships and stuff like that. But this past week, I've really enjoyed this week because I got to experience a lot of life with people who are very close to me. My son from California and his wife were in town and our three grandchildren, and we don't get to see them that often. And so we got to experience a lot of life together, which is the way God intended life to be experienced with other people. We got to go rafting on the Clackamas River. Our son Nathan kind of put the whole trip together. And uh, we got to eat out a lot and have meals around the table together. We watched a movie together with the grandchildren. We took yesterday and and went up to uh, the gorge and, and went to several of the falls and played on rocks and stuff like that. And we got to experience a lot of life together. Well, that's the way God intended life to be lived. Life was meant to be experienced with other people. In, in fact, God wired you and me for relationships. So one of the first verses in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, God says this, that it's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. Now, obviously, he was talking about the need for Eve to be in his life, and he needed that companion. But on a bigger picture, in a bigger scale, it's just not good for you and me to be alone. We need other people. Solomon, the wisest man in, in all the world, the Bible says, gives us these words. Let's read this together. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. We need other people in our life if we're going to be successful. I love that statement. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. And, and a lot of people want to run fast through life, and they're all alone. But if you want to go far... You need other people in your life. In fact, I often tell people, if what you're dreaming of doing in your life, if you can do it all by yourself, then your dream is too small. You need other people who can help you 
go through life, whether it's spiritually or relationally or physically or financially or whatever it happens to be. We, we need each other. There's, less than, there's no less than 59 one another's in the Bible. It talks about serve one another, love one another, forgive one another, admonish one another. All those kind of one another's because we, we need each other. Life was meant to be experienced with other people. And so let's go on. Here's number two. Life is more enjoyable if you like people. How many of you have discovered that? Life is just a whole lot more enjoyable if you like people. Now, I know some of you are sitting here because I know people well enough that you're thinking, well, I don't like people. <laughs> to which I would say, learn to. Okay? <laughs> and why? Because life is just a whole lot more enjoyable if you learn to like people. Now, I love the study of personalities. I do. I, I've always loved the study of personalities. And I know God wired people different ways. And some of you out there, the real truth of the matter is you really don't care to be around people that much. And others of you love to be around people. I, I don't want to take all day to do this, but I'll share what I'm talking about. Uh, again, you, you've probably uh, seen this before. There's a personality profile called the DISC. And, and I, I love it. I, I'm certified to teach a little bit in this thing. And some of you are wired to where you really like people and you love being around people. In fact, if that's you, raise your hand. Okay, good. A lot of you, a lot of you like that. And you're fun people to preach to because you respond. <laughs> some of you, uh, you don't really care to be around people that much. And, and, and you're just kind of more reserved and, and all of that. If, if that's you, raise your hand. Okay, and those of you who aren't raising your hand for anything, I know who you are, okay? <laughs> and I know what kind of person you are. And so, so, so again, God created you, and that's okay. He, he wired us all differently, but, but let me just say, and so just so you know, the D's are dominant type personalities. The I's are the inspiring type personalities, okay? They love to be uh, on stage. Dave Prohl is an inspiring type personality, loves to be on stage, is good on stage. Uh, S's are supportive type personalities, and the C's are cautious type personalities. In other words, those of you who didn't raise your hand for anything, that's you, <laughs> in case you're wondering. I, I've got you figured out already. And so here's the deal. Those of you who are I's and S's, guess what? You are people-oriented people. You like being around people. You like experiencing life with people. You enjoy people and all that stuff. For the rest of you, you have a problem, okay? <laughs> you got to get to work, okay? Because the D's and the C's, you are task-oriented people, okay? And so you know who you are. Some of you are people people, and some of you are task-oriented people. And now you don't have to change. When I talk about, you know, how life is more enjoyable, if you like people and stuff like that, uh, those of you over here, you like people, and you, you, for the most part, you enjoy life. But those of you over here, you have to work at it just a little bit harder. And so what I tell people oftentimes is, you don't have to become this or this, but it wouldn't hurt to visit it every so often. <laughs> just step over there and smile and then step back <laughs> and be your, your normal grumpy self, okay? <laughs> but, and the reason I can, can talk about both of them is because my dominant personality is this right here. In fact, I'm a 100% I'm a uh, S personality. And S's don't like to be in front of people. 
and sees, and that's how God has the biggest sense of humor in the world. C is my secondary trait, and I'm 98% that. So when I talk about you can be grumpy, you don't want to be around people, you can be cautious and questioning and stuff like that, okay, I understand that because that's who I am. I have a little bit of this in me. That's what allows me to get up here and talk. But what I'm saying is life is more enjoyable if you like people. And so however God wired you, just recognize that people are important. And, and by the way, here's a great um, life principle. Here's a great life principle. It's a great leadership principle. It's a great life principle. Always do life from the right side to the left. Always do life from the right to the left. Why? Because people matter more than task. People matter more than task. It's always important that you put people over task and stuff like that. Okay, even though God may have wired you this way. And again, that's fine. It's not a right or wrong issue. It has nothing to do with that at all. Proverbs 18, 24 says this. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And so if you're over here and maybe you don't have a lot of friends, step over here, be friendly for a little bit, and then come back. And you'll pick up a friend along the way. Okay? And, and that, that's good. Here's number three. Life is easier on you if people like you. Okay, life is just easier on you if people like you. I love this quote, all things being equal, the likable person wins. All things being not equal, the the likable person still wins. Likable people just seem to win. And so what's a likable person like? What's a likable person like? I mean, we're talking about having good relationships and making that a priority. What's a likable person like? I, I don't know. I think they're probably like authentic and they're real. They're kind. They're caring. They're considerate. Uh, they're sympathetic. They're understanding. They listen. All different kinds of things like that. They're that, that kind of person. And I think many times in life when you look at people, there's, there's like two kinds of people. There are here I am people. And here I am people, when they walk into a room, it's like, here I am. You know, life is good now, and, and the party can get started because I'm here, and everybody's okay because I've showed up, okay, and here I am. Okay, there's some kind of people. How many of you are that kind of person? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> and, and then there are people who, when they walk into a room, it's, there you are. There you are. How are you doing? It's good to see you. I'm so glad you came today. How are you? I'm, how are you? Did you have a good week? How's life? How's your wife? All this stuff. It's all about the other person. So there you are, people. I think that's kind of the person that Paul had in mind in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, when he says, don't be jealous, don't be proud, but be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. You see, that's a great relational principle. That's so important for you and me to understand. I think one of the greatest destroyers of relationships is pride and jealousy, and self-centeredness, and all of those things. But when we learn to humble ourselves before other people, then relationships begin to change. My favorite definition of humility is, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And you learn to put the other person first. And so these are some great relational principles to help us with relationships, because it's a big part of life. And like we've all said, when they're good, life is great. When they're not, life stinks. And so we have to learn how to manage these things. And so in this series, I've talked about make big decisions 
wants and then manage them. My prayer for you is that you would make relationships a big deal in your life. That you would make relationships a big deal. That you would highly value relationships over everything else that you could value, such as position or, or money or material things, all the other stuff that get in the way of relationships and make relationships a very high priority. Now, in order for that to happen, sometimes we have to change our mindset. We have to change our perspective. We have to change our attitude toward people. And again, I'm not picking on people over here because, again, I'm over here. But sometimes you have to uh, flip a switch in your mind and on how you see people. If you're going to have good relationships, there have to be some attitudinal changes that take place in order to have great relationships. And, and let me just give you three of them. The first one is I, I have to decide that I will place a high value on all people. I'll place a high value on all people, not most people, not a lot of people, not just the people I like, not just the people who are like me, but I will place a high value on all people. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you have to endorse what they believe or their behaviors or any of that, but you still place this high value on all people. Why? It's very simple. Because every person was created in the image of God. And every person matters to God. And I've got to let that exude from who I am. Whether I'm a C personality or a D or whatever it happens to be. I place a high value on all people. Because Jesus did. To go back to Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, where Jesus says, So love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all of your mind, all of your strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. He says there's no greater commandment than these. If you know that scripture, you recognize it as being in the context of when the lawyer came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment for me to keep? And he says the first one is to love God. And then he says the second is to love your neighbor. And the lawyer wanting to justify himself, he says, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus proceeded to tell the story that we have come to know as the story of the Good Samaritan. And when he finished telling the story, he, say, he asked the question, who was neighbor to the Samaritan? And the guy says, well, the guy who helped, the guy who stopped along the side of the road and helped this guy. And what I love about that story is, you see, no one knew anybody in the story. And, and so a principle that you have to extract from that is this. Your neighbor has nothing to do with geography, although I think it's good to know your geographical neighbors, okay? And I fall short in that at times. But it has nothing really to do with geography. It has everything to do with opportunity. And, and let me just ask you a question. How many of you have an opportunity every day to be a neighbor or to care for or to love another person? All of us do every single day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't have that opportunity. And so I challenge you in this area to, to place a high value on all people. Here's the second thing. This is the second attitudinal change. I realize that all people have the same needs. All people have the exact same needs. 
Now, I recognize we're all unique. We're all different. I understand that. But the reality is, on the other hand, we all have the same needs. And I think the Bible, again, helps us see that in Romans 3.23 when it tells us that everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. If I were to paraphrase that, it would be something like every one of us is messed up. Every one of us is broken. Every one of us has issues. So we're really so good at putting on a face and pretending that everything's okay, especially in church, okay? But the reality is we're all messed up. I, I've worked with people for years. I've, I've been a, a pastor now for 42 years. And, and um, some of you are thinking, wow, I didn't, you don't even look 42. Much must have done that. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. But, but I've worked with people for a long, long time. And, and what I've come to understand is, is that it doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. It, I don't, it doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter what your job title is. It doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter the clothes you wear. It doesn't matter the size of your bank account. None of that stuff matters. The more I get to know people, the more I realize everybody has issues. Just turn to somebody right now and say, you've got issues. <laughs> you know, we do. We do. And we're all broken. And, and see, when we can recognize that, then we begin to relate differently to people. And we don't have to pretend. And we don't have to act like we've got it all together. And we can accept people in their brokenness. Because we're all on this journey together. And the sooner we can get that figured out, the better off we'll be. Uh, here, here's another one. I, I realize I, all people have the same needs. Here's the third one. I will give respect freely, but I will earn respect from others. That's an attitudinal change that has to take place when it comes to having good relationships. I'll give respect to every person. I just think we should. As people who follow Jesus... I think we should show respect to every person, be respectful of every person. Again, it doesn't mean you agree with them, and it doesn't mean you have to endorse what they do. But there's a sense of respecting people, and, and then I have to expect to earn respect from others. So I'm going to live my life in such a way that I earn respect as opposed to just expecting people to respect me. I, I just think our world would be so much better. Our lives would be so much better. Our marriages would be so much better. Relationships would be so much better if we would just follow this principle that First Peter gives us here. It's as simple as this. Everybody read this together. <laughs> Respect everyone. Respect everyone. And, and, again, that's a relational principle, and that's a mind shift that has to sometimes take place in order for that to truly happen. How do you show respect to other people? There's a lot of different ways you show respect to other people, and I've got a whole list of them, but I'm only going to mention one. I think it's one of the most important, and that's learning to listen to people. Don't you love it when you are engaged in a conversation with someone and they're actually listening to you? Isn't that good? Doesn't that feel good? Now, most of us here would say, if I were to ask you, are you a good listener, most of the hands would go up in here today because most people think they're good listeners. When in reality, most people listen with the intent of responding, not listening with the intent of understanding. That's the difference. Most people, I mean, wouldn't you agree with me? When somebody's talking to you, you're thinking about how you're going to respond. Why do we do that? It's because of our own insecurity. And, and we want to sound smart. And so we are thinking about what we're going to say as opposed to really listening with the intent of understanding that person. And, and so I think it's one of the greatest ways you can show respect. 
I want to take a, I want to pause in the message for just a second, and I want to mention to you, um, Pastor Jeremy and uh, his wife Michelle. Uh, they're in town. They arrived in town this week, and uh, Jeremy is going to come on staff next Monday. He will start on staff next Monday. And then on August the 27th, Jeremy and Michelle and their family will be introduced. And I'm excited, so excited for you guys to meet them and, and their family. And then Jeremy will teach his first message on September the 10th. When Ann and I met them, and I asked him if I could share this. Uh, when Ann and I met them, after the weekend was over, I, I said to my wife, I said, did you notice that every time I spoke, both Jeremy and Michelle completely stopped speaking and listened. And not one time the entire weekend did they talk over me or interrupt me or, you know, chime in. It, it just, it actually, it actually blew me away because I see it so infrequently. I just, I don't see it happen often. And, and especially when you stop and think about it, Jeremy is this, and I'm this. And here's, here's how you can know if somebody's a D, unless they're a mature D. D is if they're talking and somebody else starts to talk, the D will just keep talking as if this person doesn't even exist. Okay? S's, on the other hand, if we're talking and somebody else starts to talk, we'll stop immediately. It's not necessarily because we're respectful. It's just that's the way God wired us. And so knowing what I knew about him, I thought, wow, that is a great sign of showing respect. Now, once the entire weekend, and I just so appreciated that in, in both of them. You'll, you'll see that. You'll notice that when, whenever you get a chance to, to meet them. And so just listening to other people, I mean, how different would our marriages be if husbands would just actually sit and listen to their spouse with the intent of understanding. And you guys are going, I just wish you would shut up and finish the message. <laughs> How different would our marriages be if wives would just listen to their husband with the intent of understanding? And again, it's hard for different people, but it's so important. So how do we manage? Now, one thing I've said is, Make big decisions once and then manage them daily. How do you do that? How do you manage relationships? I'm out of time, so I'm going to give you these real fast. Here's number one. I will put others before myself. Just make the decision right now that you're going to put other people before yourself. You figure out how to do that. But there's hundreds of ways that you can put other people before yourself. We're talking about being a servant to people. And the Bible, again, talks so much about it. Philippians 2, we've looked at this. Don't be jealous or proud, but be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Jesus in Matthew 7, 12, he says, always do for other people everything you want them to do for you. Jesus was a master at this whole notion or principle or understanding of servanthood. He's told us in, in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you is going to be your servant. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, he said, whoever wants to be the most important person must take the last place and be a servant to everyone else. You see, that's so counterintuitive. We, we think whoever wants to be the most important person, you know, needs to be at the front of the line, you know, and ahead of everybody else. That's the most important person. And Jesus says, no, 
No, switch that around. And you look back through history, you'll find all kinds of people who, who had the same understanding about servanthood. Martin Luther King said, life's most urgent question is, what are you doing, what are you doing for others? And Helen Keller made this statement, life is an exciting business and most exciting when lived for others. And they understood this. Here's number two. I will let loose of emotional baggage. We're talking about having good relationships. One of the great hindrances to good relationships is we hold on to hurts. When people have said things to us or they've done things and we don't forgive and we, and we hold on to that, we carry it with us every day and it destroys relationships. I just, I challenge you, if, if you've been hurt, uh, offer forgiveness. If you've hurt, ask for forgiveness. And if it's something that you're hanging on to day after day after day, then it's big enough to have a conversation about. Have the conversation and either ask for or extend forgiveness. If it's not big enough to have the conversation, then let go of it and go on with life. But I see so many relationships destroyed because they hold on to emotional baggage. Ephesians 4, Paul says, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. And then here's number three. I will give priority relationships priority time. I'll give priority relationships priority time. Stop and think, what, who are the priority relationships in your life? If you remember back to message, uh, the message when I talked about priorities, I put up here the Pareto Principle. If you didn't see the message on priorities, go back and look at it. But numbers 1 through 10 and numbers 1 through 10 and priorities and the return on your investment. Same thing is true with relationships. You need, to, you need to figure out in your life who are the priority relationships in your life. Again, I see, I see marriages destroyed because husbands and wives ne neglect each other. My goodness, that's a priority relationship. And I see parents and children split apart, and that's a priority relationship. And I see good friends divide, and that's a priority relationship. And yet we give attention to people on Facebook that we don't even know, but we claim to be friends. And so, so give priority relationships priority time. Here's number four. I will be generous with my words of love and appreciation. Many times we talk about being generous with their time and, and with their resources. I think one of the greatest things you can be generous about is with your words of love and your words of appreciation. I think most every person has this invisible sign that hangs around their neck that says, Affirm me. Make me feel important. Value me. It's something all of us need. And I think one of the greatest things is when you and I learn to be very generous with words of love and appreciation, it comes back to us. Withholding words of love and appreciation and, and those kinds of things, it's like wrapping a gift to give someone and then putting it in a drawer and never giving it to them. Why do we do that? Why do we hold on when we have an opportunity to say something kind or to raise the value or to encourage another person? I want to encourage you to do that. Today's relationships bring fulfillment. Make relationships a high priority in your life. Ask God to help you be the kind of person that you need to be in order to have good relationships 
in your life. They're not going to be perfect because people are complicated. We're difficult at times. And some people are just more difficult to be at peace with. But you do your best. I'm going to ask you if you bow your head and close your eyes. And obviously the greatest relationship is the relationship that God desires to have with you through Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross to pay for your sins and to reconcile you to the Father. And so today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, he desires to reconcile you to your Heavenly Father. And if he's speaking to your heart today to say yes to Jesus, I invite you to do that. And maybe you've done that in the past, but somehow or another you've kind of wandered away from that over the years. And today would be a good opportunity maybe to recommit to that. Would, would you, if that's your desire, and again on our campuses, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Father in heaven, today I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me and making it possible for me to be reconciled to God. I humble myself before you. And I receive you as my Savior and Lord. And I thank you for being my friend. I pray this in your name. Amen.